You smell that? Well, if you're in Los Angeles, that's the smell of pot and smog. But if you're anywhere else, that is the smell of March Madness. The tournament is coming, and so is the $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest at Bet Online. The spot to be for all your bracketology needs. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. NBA's in full swing. You can bet on NBA at Bet Online as well. Best place to bet your bets or to place your bets. And it's free to sign up too. Head to betonline.ag. Use your phone to do it. Sign up today. And just for being friends with JT and Looney, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. <laughs> JT and Looney podcast episode 73. We got a lot of catching up to do, even though we podcast with each other. Every I know. Day. We don't yeah. see each other anymore because there's a global pandemic. And just when we think the pandemic's going to end, they shut down Italy. And I, I go, know. wait a second. Oh, I was just God. watching Stanley Tucci show on CNN. I'm watching which, that. <laughs> I love it. Me too. I, he's amazing. The writings are massive. Uh, but just when I think we're going to get together and do some fun things, then they shut down Italy as we have uh, girls in bikinis and boys in board shorts running down the streets of Miami and they have to send fire hoses to get them off the beach at night and curfew because they might start the pandemic up again. And in South Padre Island in Texas, I don't know what's going on. You know what I would do if I was the mayor of Miami or the governor of Florida or the president of the United States or a general? I would just go down on the beach, not with fire engines and hoses, with vaccines. <laughs> They're the ones that aren't following it. They're the ones that could end up killing the rest of us and their grandmother. So let's start getting vaccines in their arms. Everyone deserves a vaccine, even the idiots, because no one deserves to die or kill their grandmother. So I would say instead of sending the fire engines down, send a bunch of guys and, and women, well, great first responders and emergency people and nurses and everybody else to give all those kids a vaccine. So you're saying instead of that one guy who stands at the corner and tells all the kids he's going to hell, they have the, you're going to hell with a bullhorn unless you redeem yourself and become born again. And all the drunks walk up to that guy who feels good about his faith and is just trying to help people. He just wants people to repent and come to his side of faith. And then all the drunks start throwing stuff at him. That always made me uncomfortable in New Orleans and spring break when you always saw that guy. Well, here's another thing that makes you uncomfortable. If you live in a busy area and you, if there's one or two quiet days a year, like Sunday or just one a week, Sunday mornings, Christmas day, and you live, I, I used to live on a busy street corner that was so loud. And whenever there was that one quiet day, the religious people would get their bullhorns and go stand in the corner and ruin the one quiet day until I convinced them how awful what they were doing you know yes the message is fine but what you were doing to the neighbors here and the babies sleeping is absolutely cruel because it's our one or two quiet days a year and you got to get your amplifiers out of here i am shocked by wap w-a-p wap mm -hmm. from megan the stallion and cardi b they performed on the Grammy Awards. And I went into the Grammy, Grammy Awards like I do every year, optimistic. Right. Optimistic because of music. From the history of the Grammy Awards, the Beatles, 
go through Elvis, go through modern day Beyonce, Bob Dylan, all the great awards, all the artists that have come out of nowhere, like Ed Sheeran and other artists we never heard from. And then their debut album becomes record of the year or artist of the year, Taylor Swift, and they go on to greatness. So I watch the Grammys every year and I watch it closely because I love the way they perform at the Grammys. There's no lip syncing, none. Right. I mean, don't ever think about lip syncing at the Grammys. You'll never be invited. And then I like the celebrities. I like the stars and I tune in for the in memoriam because I think they do it better there than they do at the Oscars or other award shows. And then I found out what WAP means. Wet ass blank. Even a common word that I will not use on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And I want the, the P word. Yeah. Yeah. The, the baby cat word. And I sat there and I said, this is not possible. I'm not typical. I'm a guy who goes to Motley Crue shows and concerts and I, I drink until the sun comes up. So don't give me any of this shit about JT. Get off my lawn. I live a life at 55 like guys who are 25 live, hopefully. But the point is, there's a point in time where I'm so offended that if that wasn't offensive to people. Now, the lyrics, a portion of the lyrics for WAP say beat up N-word, catch a charge, extra large and extra hard. Put that blank right in your face. Swipe your nose like a credit card. Hop on top. I want to ride. And okay, so I wasn't aware of this. And my best friend was, was aware of this because his young niece, young niece, uh -huh. little girl knew what this meant. So then I watched it on the Grammys and there was a high heel clear stripper stiletto with money flying up, blowing up in the air, money, dollar bills as a girl was dancing. And then the stallion and Cardi B got on a giant bed on the stage of the Grammy Awards and simulated sex on CBS television in prime time. And Tom, I couldn't wait to get on this podcast. I am deeply offended by what I saw. Yeah, and I think the biggest mental illness in America and our entire history of our so-called culture is that speech you just gave where sex on CBS is a bad thing. All they have for tw all our life was murder. She wrote murder. She wrote murder. She wrote right after the NFL murder. She wrote murder. Okay. Sex we should not have on Sunday night. That's what you're saying. Murder. She wrote is okay. Sex not. Back to the lyrics. This <laughs> blank is wet. Come take a dive. Tie me up. Like I'm surprised. Let's role play. I'll wear a disguise. I want you to park that Big Mac truck right in this little garage. This and being performed. That's metaphorical. That's yeah. what all music has always been. And listen, I don't have a problem with the music. I don't okay. listen to it. I can turn right. it off. I can't turn off the Grammys. Right. Okay. I can't turn off the Grammys. You can't turn off the Grammys. Oh, I, I'm not going to turn off the Grammys. What okay. am I going to do? I turn it off and then get up and turn it on or right. do that. I'm not going to do that. But the point I'm trying to make here, the level of being offended at any age, when there are children in the room or there are young girls, look, I've always said this. I have two boys. I have two boys. I don't think I would have been a great dad. I probably would have been, but with a young girl, a lot of our listeners have daughters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I you weren't the best big brother until you were older. Right. I can't imagine. Mm -hmm. Right. I can't imagine what it would like to have a daughter or a niece. Can't imagine 
And to see that performance, to see the lyrics of that word. And again, I don't like violent lyrics, rap music against cops and murder and shoot up everybody. I don't like that either. But I just wanted to get this in because after seeing it, I was in amazement. And then I talked about it with a couple of my friends and they're like, where you been? Uh, you you do two talk shows. You do a podcast. Right, right. I didn't know this. I go no. I didn't notice. I got a, I got a podcast alert with Looney. Back that ass up. Won an award twenty years ago. <laughs> I guess I'm forever. Good with, good I guess I'm good with. I like big butts and back that ass up. <laughs> I, I'm not good with WAP. Yeah. I didn't okay. even know what it meant, and I was offended. And then I watched it at the Grammy Awards, and it goes back to. Uh, this got a lot of people upset because Trevor Noah started the Grammys. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, this is I can't believe I'm saying it. So I took out my phone and I went to my stopwatch and I said to my wife, I go, how long is it until he makes a, political a negative joke? political mm-hmm. joke? So I hit start and it was 51 seconds until he talked about the insurgents of the Capitol. Mm-hmm. And I said, I'm out. I'm out. I tweeted that out. I didn't turn it off, but I said, I'm out. And then, oh. Everybody, oh my God, you trigger little flower, this or that. In our I culture, a lot of times we, we love to call everyone else a pearl clutcher as we clutch our pearls, calling other people pearl clutchers. You know? Why aren't you offended by WAP and that performance on the on that oh. stage? To grant, because here, well, let me finish. Y- okay. No, but if, if that performance, the performance simulated a strip club. Right. Okay, it was a strip club. So if it was in the strip club, if you and I were in the strip club and they perform WAP, I wouldn't have a problem with it. If it was on another award show, so say it was on the American Music Awards or the MTV Music Awards or it was on the BET Awards or another show, all the other shows I respect and I've watched them all. Am I giving too much credit to the Grammys for doing this? Oh, but yeah, yes. You're giving too much credit in several ways to the Grammys. First of all, and with art, with art, I'm not offended by art. I'm offended by several things. There's so many things to unpack there that you asked me, and I hope I don't forget several of them. You raised two really decent boys and you raise them in a way to be open minded and not to be racist and not to be sexist and not to be homophobes. I was offended by Bill Barr. I'm not offended by sexuality. I, I once took I once went to see Summer of Sam. It was a great I think it was a Spike Lee movie. Oh, my God, it was so good. And I took my, my, my aspire. My godson was an aspiring filmmaker. And at the time he was 12, I took him. And yeah, John Leguizamo was getting a blowjob. And as I'm leaving, a friend of mine says, how old is he? I said, 12. He said, it's a blowjob in that movie. And I said, but there was six murders. <laughs> there was six murders. And my friend was worried about the blowjob. And we're so obsessed about we, murder. She wrote after the NFL is normal. Sex after the NFL on the Grammys is not, even though the NFL wasn't playing. But you see, I'm just making a point there with an analogy. You brought your boys up not to be racists and homophobes and to be open-minded, decent boys with manners. Bill Burr didn't know how to pronounce the name. Here's this woman, Natalia. All right. Uh, <laughs> and the winner, uh, the Grammy goes to Natalia Lafourcade. Hey, Natalie, Natalie, what? If I butchered her name, I'm sorry. Winning an award. And you can go, you know, as you know, I used to be a ring announcer. I used to go around to every fighter and ask them their name, not their, not their trainer, not their friends. And if you just go to Google, go to Google. I did it before the show because I knew you would say that. We talked about this. You go to Google and, and you can find out. Natalia Lefercad. Natalia Lefercad. 
Natalia Lafrakat. The greatest moment in her life. She wins an, a Grammy Award. And Bill Burr says, the winner is Natalia. Oh, God, Natalia, I don't know how to say her name. <laughs> Which is about the most white, privileged, rude thing you can say on a world stage when a, a Latina girl is winning an award and you're just not even going to try. You're not even ahead of time. You're not going to look at the names ahead of time. It's an ethnic name that you're going to decide. You're going to throw it away. That, that comedy that went over badly. Was he joking? Because I saw, well, I saw that one out on social media. All the things he did. I don't care if he's offending women because okay. you know what? Because he's a comedian. It's OK. What I mean is that's comedy. Comedy's always out there on the wire. This is racism. This is terrible. This is what we do in America to people within who are Americans who don't have the name Tommy or Bobby every day. What is your name? I had a friend whose name was Uriel. He spent his entire life with Woody. What? What's your people aren't even people just if your name's not Tommy or Bobby or John, we don't try. Natalia Lafourcade. Not only Natalie, what? If I butchered her name, I'm sorry. And that offends me. That's what offended me with Bill Burr. Not his comedy. Comedians, I love them, and I got their back. And they, they're supposed to be out there on, on the wire and some, uh, on the, you know, stepping over the line and sometimes falling off the cliff. And I got all their backs. But that type of thing, I find offensive. I don't find the WAP offensive. See, I don't, want women, I don't want women ever to be degraded. Okay, physically, right. sexually, verbally, mm -hmm. and all. That's been a big, big... Right you know, arc of my life. And when you see certain music and a lot of it being a certain type of music and it could change to other forms. And a lot of it we grew up loving under my thumb. <laughs> it could be rock, it could be heavy metal, yeah. it could be rap. But when two women are performing and they're scantily clad and that gets on TV, that's not the problem. It's the lyrics, it's what it means, what they're portraying. And I thought, I just, I listen, I have no problem saying it went too far. Millions of people agree with me. And with what we always said about this topic, millions upon millions of right. people voted against Joe Biden, against right. him. Uh -huh. Elections have their consequences. Millions of people agree with me that WAP is tasteless. It's over the top. It's too much. And the only way I'm framing it, it's not too much for me. It's too much for the young children and young girls who are aware of it, know what it means, knows the lyrics, are singing the lyrics, and watch that performance on CBS during the Grammys. I thought and, it was very it's, it's the job of you and I not to care about what those millions of people think. We're, we're, it's a job of us to bring our opinions to the table. And we, it's our job to say those 73 million people that voted for Donald Trump were all wrong. And however millions of people were, were offended by WAP were all wrong because I think fill in the blank. That's our job. So it doesn't matter of the millions of people, millions of people who agree a lot of shitty stuff. Here's another thing about the Grammys. Here's why the Grammys don't even deserve our respect in the first place. I don't have Looney Game Show music anymore. There's uh, problems with that, with uh, streaming services. But, you know, Jimi Hendrix never won a Grammy. Janis Joplin never won a Grammy. ABBA, Katy Perry, Tupac Shakur, Queen, the Beach Boys, Guns N' Roses. And the list goes on. They've always been years behind the times. They never really, I think it was Prince in the mid-80s that changed the Grammys by coming out and performing live and blowing everybody away. And then everyone realized, oh, wow, that's a great live spot. Before that, before Prince in 1985, you know, they were given Grammy, still giving Grammy awards to Andy Williams. <laughs> you know, people like you and I would get around the TV and the Stones weren't. 
nominated. You, you mentioned the Stones and the Beatles. The Stones and the Beatles never sniffed Grammys. They were never at the Grammy. We were never getting Grammy Awards in the 60s and 70s. The Grammy Awards have always been 10, 20, 30 years behind the times. So it's almost like congratulations to the Grammy Awards for, for putting a contemporary show on that actually raised some eyebrows because they were, you know, when we were growing up, they were still given all the awards to Barbara Streisand and Mel Torme instead of the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, Guns N' Roses, Loverboy and great bands like that. <laughs> well, maybe I don't use the word offensive, but I was shocked. Okay. By Megan the Stallion and Cardi B and WAP. And I thought mm -hmm. it was way over the top. I believe there should be a line somewhere on network television. Mm -hmm. if that isn't if that isn't the limit. If that didn't push the limit of network television, we're all full of shit. If that isn't the line that was crossed, the clip that was jumped over and all this, I want to see what is. Okay. Okay. I just want to see what is because maybe CBS is getting aggressive. I, I caught up on my show Clarice, which oh. is all about silence of the lambs. Cause I taped right. it and my DVR was going to run out with the five. So I went back the last couple of nights and watched Clarice which is a takeoff on Hannibal and the uh -huh. and they showed a lot of scenes of the killings and the bodies. That was something I've never seen before on television. Yeah, that was network television, too. And so I didn't seem to have a problem with that, but I had a problem with WAP. Yeah. And that's all that's kind of been the the you know, the age old debate that we've it's been going on since we've had tele free television and, and and art in general is, you know, would you rather have your niece seeing a, uh, a video of two people making love or, a or two people killing each other. And Americans seem to think killing each other is the answer. And by, by millions and millions and millions of people would agree with me on that. I, they would be all wrong. But uh, it's, it's, it's one of those age old arguments. And when you talked about CBS, trying to uh, go a little bit younger. Yeah, they were always the oldest network. And in advertising, you don't want to be the old network because old people, people won't advertise with your network because old people, there's a switch that goes off in the brain at a certain age. And you know this by, I, I remember by, <laughs> I always love this story. I bought my mother and Tony uh, so a bunch of great coffee because they loved their Maxwell house. They love their coffee every morning. So I bought them some real coffee like you and I drink real coffee. <laughs> I, I came back six months later and it was still, in the, it was still in the cupboard. Because, oh, we, we like our Maxwell House. <laughs> they, they had no interest in trying a new product. We, and did so, that, we did that with my mom and dad. We bought them an air fryer. Oh. We loved the air fryer. We were one of the first to get an air fryer. And all the air fryer is in my house is my son who wakes up at <laughs> three in the morning because he, he sleeps around yes. the clock. He'll get up and then just take anything and put it in the air fryer. And you smell it while you're sleeping. It yes, perfectly. So we bought one for my mom and dad. Initially, they kind of didn't get it. They didn't, they looked at it differently. <laughs> and now, my, now my mom calls or or tells me all the time of what she made. Oh, good. Fry, and I'm talking real great meals. Well, yeah, that's because it is perfect for old people because they fell in love with the microwave. My mother went from a great cook to cooking bullshit in the microwave. It's unbelievable. And uh, air fryers are like microwaves in the way that you can fry something up in half the time. 
I would never put anything in the microwave anymore. Not never. Yeah. never Ours broke a couple never. years ago. I never got another one. I would no. never put anything in the microwave after having an air fryer again, ever. And if the air fryer breaks, I would want to replace it more than my filter for my pool or anything that's important that you need. My air, not my air conditioning. You have to have it in Vegas, but I love the air fryer. It makes everything taste like it's out of the oven for an hour, hour and a half. And the microwave should go out of business because of the air fryer. Should yeah, it? Uh, yeah, because and that's what happened in our house. And I have I, I, I've been sitting here the entire time, whether wondering out loud, W.O.L.ing whether or not I should tell you my air fryer story. I have a six hundred dollar air fryer. And I got to tell you the story. I can't name names. But for years and years, we've had uh, an associate that sent us really big box of giant stuff for Christmas, cigars and candy and, you know, banana bread. And it just was filled with goodies. It was the, usually the biggest Christmas box every year that we got at the house and kind of got used to the generosity over the years. And a couple of years ago, that box arrived at the house that's sitting there and has this big box. And I said, Oh yeah. Okay. That's the, and, and because I try to watch what I eat, I was going to wait as long as I could to open up that box. And I waited three or four weeks, but then three or four weeks later, the box from the generous guy showed up at the house. And I thought, well, what's in this box? I opened up the box. It's a $600 air fryer that was delivered to the wrong address. And we had a big debate in the house about whether or not we should return. And my, my position was we need to return this. Of Someone course. didn't get this. And, but you know, I don't, you know, I, I, <laughs> I live with several who grew up with uh, uh, humble origins that were absolutely against giving away free shit. <laughs> Or maybe porch pirates who could have took it off someone else's bail. No. Well, yeah, no. it was it was it was definitely delivered by, you know, because we actually, you know, my my grandfather was a mailman. So I, a lot of times I know the names of the delivery guys yeah. and um, I, I know the name of the homeless people in my neighborhood. I'm a name junkie. So uh, so actually, that's how we ended up with the air fryer. I lost the argument with the modern family about whether or not to keep the air fryer. And uh, we, we kept it and we use it every day. We interrupt this fascinating conversation about air fryers to bring you a word from our sponsor. Did you know eBay was originally the authentic sneaker marketplace? Whether rare dead stock or the latest release, you can find the exact shoe you're looking for at eBay. There is still a big sneaker outlet. I don't know if you knew this. And authenticity is what they guarantee at eBay with your sneakers. They're meticulously inspected by independent professional authenticators. It's a team of guys, experienced sneaker authenticators, verifying the box, the logo, the stitching, and dozens of other inspection points. Every sneaker gets an authenticity guaranteed tag that includes a digital stamp of authenticity. And it also protects sellers with a verified return process. If you are a sneaker seller, eBay has eliminated selling fees on sneakers of $100 or more, making it free to sell or flip your collection. Pretty cool. Go to ebay.com slash sneakers. Check it out. eBay, the world's best destination for discovering great value, unique selection, and authenticity. And now back to our regularly scheduled podcast. Beautiful. Marvin Hagler died unexpectedly at the age of 66, one of the four kings. 
I believe, I believe the greatest of the four Kings, even though Sugar Ray Leonard was my guy, the guy I liked. The I love Sugar Ray from the Olympics. But as we go back and we look at the life of Marvin Hagler, I spent a lot of time on radio talking about it, put up a couple of posts. I met him at a mixer before the Nevada Boxing Hall of Fame. And before we get into his life, just quickly, uh -huh. I went up to him, talked to him, made eye contact, took a picture with him. And I said, champ, this is a great moment for me because you, you're the, one of the reasons why I love boxing. And I thought, I said, I thought you beat Ray Leonard and he winked and smiled. We took the picture and it was a really important moment for me because we've been boxing guys and I've gotten to meet a lot of great boxers over my life. I took a photo with Ali, uh -huh. met Norton, uh, met Delahoya. It's some of the best pictures we have with athletes because they're so accessible. Yeah. And I, I was really devastated to see that news. It stayed with me. We all know about the war with Tommy Hearns. Eight minutes of fury. Eight minutes of fury. And the fact that Marvin Hagler's last fight was a loss where he and many people thought he won the fight. Yeah. That's what fascinates me the most is the money he left on the table. He didn't go get that rematch and he could have had 10 more fights and went nine and one or eight and two and padded his bank account. And he walked away. Well, what to learn from that is go visit Italy because he went and made a couple of movies in Italy and he fell in love with Italy and he started living in Italy. And he was a huge icon in Italy for a long time to go back in the hot tub time machine to the 1980s when we had our VCR and our video cassettes. And we would save those special video cassettes over in a special pile when we had friends over drinking and maybe some other friends were doing some other things and everyone was feeling real good. Well, whenever I was having those many, many parties where people were feeling really good, wink, wink, when I lived in Venice. My go to even even when it was people who weren't interested in sports, girls who weren't interested in sports, no matter who was in my apartment, no matter what their background, whether or not they liked boxing or sports, I would put in the eight minutes of fury, Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns. And my the, the copy I had was Al Michaels and Al Bernstein, mm -hmm. which I didn't see enough of. They had the Barry Tompkins and I love them version a lot online on Twitter. I didn't hear the Al Michaels version. Uh, as much I probably recorded off of ABC wide world of sports. It was probably a, uh, a month or two later when they put it on. But and, and Albert, when I we used to have so many times, you've got to know Al Bernstein real well. Well, and he is who he is. What a great got a uh, new podcast, by the way, on our Believe podcast. Uh, a great point. Let's just stop for a moment. Sure. Al Bernstein has his own podcast. Uh, his guest this week was Snoop Dogg. Ah, oh, wow. Nice plug for well, Yeah, It is. And he'll get those because for people who grew up loving sports and boxing and were and Snoop Dogg was a kid like me, probably the same age with the same video cassette who loves Al Bernstein for the same reason. And if you and I, if you'll remember, I, I woke up everybody in the media room one day with my big mouth when we had Al Bernstein on and I did my Al Bernstein impression. There's blood all over Hagler's face. Oh, they were even Al Michaels and Al Bernstein were so excited and so over the top because the fight was that first round. There's blood all over Marvin Hagler's face. Can't tell where it's coming from. I thought it started from the bridge of the nose originally. There's blood all over the face of Hagler here in round one. But Hagler has him on the rope. Hagler working on him. Hagler relentless, but Hearns trying to box his way out. What's amazing is the second round of Hearns and Hagler, which wasn't popping up really uh, online, was 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 one of the greatest ever. But the problem was the first round was Goodfellas. The second round was Casino.
You know what I mean? It was just, it was a great round, but nothing, nothing could ever compare to that first round. And then the knockout in the third round, you knew somebody was going down, but you weren't, didn't know who. And that was, it's just what, and a lot of people will say, you know, was that when boxing was in its best? No, it was just maybe the fight of that decade. But Hearns Hagler was amazing. Three rounds of fury, what called the eight minutes of fury. War. Pe- Some people called it the war. the war. People who've lost interest in boxing may sometimes point to that as the good old days. Like, you know, it's, it's just golden age syndrome. Fighting was amazing before. Fighting has been amazing since. The greatest fight ever may have been in 2005 with Diego Corrales and Jose Luis Castillo. So the question could be, will boxing be ever be better than it was in 2005? You and I have a litmus test for sports talk show hosts and that guys with works with uh, microphones for a living who have to, who sometimes have to dip their toe in the boxing waters mm-hmm. and those who say well i really loved boxing back in the 80s when it was Hagler and hearns and sugar ray leonard if if any sportscaster ever says that they don't realize they're they're exposing themselves they're saying i haven't paid attention to the sport of boxing since the 80s and they should have the, the FCC should come in and turn their microphones off. Well, I use this podcast at times to destroy or rip or show my distaste in media and uh-huh. we could do our own podcast. I think if we wanted to get into and just do a media podcast, you and I, Oh, we'd have a ball. And you wrote a lot about this. You were in yep. that world. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just get amazed at what we see in media and how lucky I've been in media in my lane. You know, I'm no right. Brett Musburger, but I've been doing this, almost 25 years on Memorial Day. And when you talk about boxing, I can almost tie it into this week with college basketball. There are members of the media that don't watch any college basketball. I mean, none, (laughs) zero. And they don't watch the NHL and they don't watch any boxing or UFC. And here's the big one. Save the best one for last, NASCAR. Yeah, oh yeah. I just named you six sports. And now we, so those six sports, there are people who have business cards that say sports radio host. And they don't, they don't, they're not sports radio hosts because they can't cover a multitude of sports. So what they're doing is, and I think the problem with this is program directors and consultants who have never done shit. They've never been good enough to get on the radio. They've never been good to manage people on the radio. They just move from city to city. Some have been amazing and we've worked for them. Mm -hmm. That would be Bruce Gilbert. That would be for me, Tom Lee. Andrew mm-hmm. Ashwood. I can give you. I work I for can, all three uh, of those too. I love those. Guys. And I could give you Jason Wolf at WEI when I started and a whole bunch of guys. So again, there are plenty of them. Rich Moore in Seattle. We can go to guys that I like in other markets. Off and the we top. can't forget Dr. Phil and Stereo Steve. I always want to mention those two guys. Whenever plenty we of good people. Yeah. But what's happening now is there's a void because why would you be a PD? Think of this for a second. If you're any good, If you're any good, you'd be a radio host trying to make millions of dollars or talking and communicating. Some can't. So they get into the business side of the world. So they get into production and they're brilliant. They get into programming. And most Mm. importantly, they get into sales, which is lacking in our industry. Sales. Because you can't make money on radio if you don't have people selling the radio. And there's a void like you've never seen. And now the industry is getting really complex because People are trying to get out of radio and get into podcasting, which we're doing right now. But there are so many radio hosts now reading off of teleprompters. They have writers. They have producers who do all the work. 
And then my new category, which I'm so happy to share, they're called clappers. And I've talked, have you heard me give my impression of what clappers are? No, I don't know if I have. Clappers are really big now. They've started on all different types of national shows. And all they do is they sit in the background and they clap. So the host says something and they go, oh, oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. They're on another show on TV or on ESPN. And the host says something funny. And then they cut to six other guys or a gal. And they're all giggling. They're laughing and they're, they're clappers. So when people ask me all the time, how do I get in the business, JT? Because our, both of our stories are very unique. Right. I always said, well, I bought time on the air. I, I was different. I won, a, I won a contest on the Jim Rome show. If I didn't win that contest, I never get in radio. If I came in second, I never wanted to get in radio. So it was never a passion of mine. Then once I got in, it became a massive passion because I wanted to make a career out of it. I wanted to make money. I wanted to buy homes and cars. Right. And now I'm seeing guys coming into the business as clappers. They don't even have a radio show or a podcast. They just deliver notes to the host or they set the teleprompter up before the show. And to me, that's humiliating. I would be humiliated to be at a wedding and someone comes up to you. I'm at the bar at the wedding. What do you do? Oh, I work on that show. Oh, really? What do you do? Well, um, I just kind of clap or I hand over notes, or I fill out the teleprompter. Is that what you want your legacy to be? And we got some of these jack-off consultants and program directors who think that's the way to get in the business instead of buying time on overnight or doing a weekend update like Tom Looney started off and then finding success. So I'll get off my soapbox. Well, that's okay, because here's the biggest problem I have found, and that is program directors don't program direct. We we really, especially in sports, it's amazing because we – really pay homage to the great leaders like Phil Jackson, Red Arbach, and and Bill Belichick and Vince Lombardi, who taught guys how to do stuff and uh, took leaders with big egos. And that's what you have to do, especially in major market radio and syndication. You have to lead leaders with big egos who want to do it their way. And that's what Bill Belichick takes those guys with enormous egos and arrogance and still is able to mold them. Program directors tend not to do it, not to lead. They holler bravo and collect their paychecks and talk to the sales weasels. But they don't ever say because and so 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 many talk show hosts. And remember, we were always careful of not being not getting stuck in ruts or talking in sports cliches like not talking about. We are JT and Looney, not the JT and Loonies of the world. <laughs> Where are the JTs? Where are the Loonies? And people talk in those awful sports cliches. And then what happens is new people get jobs and say, oh, my God, instead of just being themselves, what do I need to sound like? And then they start copying the others in these cliches and these mountains and mountains of empty plateaus and cliches. That guy's a football player. <laughs> Look, a lot of people can oh, be successful. There are presidents. But there's no leadership. That's my problem. They, they don't sit them down and say, hey, Colin, Dan, you, you, there's a couple of things you're doing wrong here. We have a friend who's wildly successful, but he constantly says, to be honest with you. And I'm thinking, I'm his friend. Maybe I got to tell him because nobody's telling him. And he is A minus. He'd be A plus if he'd just get rid of that one thing. And I'm thinking, I guess maybe that's my job. We have guys who say, uh, and, um, and, um, and, uh, all the time. And they're in radio. 
they make a living. The, the last point on that is, look, there are presidents of NFL teams and corporations, Fortune 20 companies that started off picking up people at the airport, started off in the copy room. You always hear they started off in the mail room or the copy room. Right. In the old days of Don Draper and television. Where'd you start off at? Where'd you start off at NBC? Right. right? I started off in the in the mail room. And th there's a lot of truth to that. But the point is, in our industry now, it is very complex and you don't have to be good at all to start because that's my point. There's so many people getting on the air with an open microphone because they're an associate producer or a background producer or a board op or they're a clapper that they're believing. They're believing that's going to be their way to get in the business. And a few will succeed. Yeah. But imagine, imagine that's your plan. Imagine if your plan to get in the business is to go about it that way. And I bumped into a few people that really believe that's their, that's the way to get into radio is to be someone who can be funny in the background of someone else's show. When you and I came from the world of no, no, we got to get on the air. Oh, right. We gotta, we, but we got yeah. for a couple of years and overnights or do something else and then try to build our brand and it worked for us and it's not going to work for everybody. But I think the people who are catalysts to let that happen going forward, that's really what podcasts are for. Right. You know, anybody can have a podcast. You've always right. said the, pro the point is to have a podcast that can sell advertising and to get downloads. When you were talking about building your brand, I mentioned this yesterday to a friend. And I was doing, I was doing overnights at Y94 in Syracuse. W Y Y Y. No, that wasn't at the weenie. Weenie. I was, uh, this was after weenie and after college W Y Y Y. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Syracuse, New York. Y94 was number one station in town. And, uh, I was, I got hired by the way from the competition to do mornings. Cause I was kicking ass in overnights because my boss was asleep. So I was able to do lots of crazy shit. But I, I was when I first got there, you know, I said, I'm Tom Maloney. And someone called up and said, what are you saying? Tom Maloney, Tom Balloony. And I said to myself, wow. OK, my my name, Tom M's with an M. And then to go to the L, sometimes people aren't getting what I'm saying. So I, right after that phone call, I cracked open the mic. And I said, I am Looney because I thought, OK, they're going to know what I'm fucking saying. I'm going to have one more person guessing what I'm saying. I just got rid of my first name because I was born with a perfect last name for a radio name. I didn't have to change it. And, and uh, so building a brand was always more important to you and I, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't going to be in any type of odd securitist route, but, but, you know, people have to do everybody who wants to build a successful road to anything has to do it their own way. And sometimes if that's the way it's being done now, uh, then that's the way some people are going to have to do it. I really admire one of our interns said, asked me how to, I would always tell interns, get a job at any radio station where you're going to be on every day. It doesn't matter the format, country music, rock music, uh, uh, smooth jazz, sports talk. I said, you're limiting yourself. You got to get the reps every day. Nobody ever took my advice. They just turned their nose up. <laughs> I said, go out to Corona, California, or up to, you know, up to San Luis Obispo or whatever. A guy, one of our, uh, Aaron De La Torre, went to uh, Oxnard. See, in Oxnard, he's up in Ventura County and doing afternoon drive every day, playing music on a local station, but getting his reps every three minutes when a song ends, doing, telling what the song was, doing weather and sports. And that's the way 
really get better is, as Malcolm Gladwell would say, reps, 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 get your 10,000 reps in and clapping and giggling isn't going to get you anywhere. And that's the only part of the insanity for me. The insanity is that I'm getting in more reps than I've ever gotten in now. And I, oh, I know that's <laughs> it's incredible because <laughs> the money's a- great. The jobs are good. It's yeah. COVID. And I, I, I was talking to our mutual friend, our agent about uh-huh. this. And he was like, man, I'm proud of what you're doing and you're doing all this. And we'd like you to maybe cut down on this. And I said, I can't, what I'm doing locally, I'm only doing two hours. So I have to do that. Right. I'm working at what I believe is the best radio company in the world. That's Sirius XM. I'm not doing four hours anymore. I'm doing three. And then all the what you always, you, you always wanted the three hours. I always wanted to work. And, and the Raider that stuff, I'm doing, there's just tons of work. Cause it's a brand new franchise and a brand new market. Right. So all of that where you live. Yes. Yeah. So when I do say goodbye, it will be goodbye. And I'm just the irony of this when, as you know, you're looking at me now as we do the podcast. And when I I'm working from home now, which I have not come to grips with yet. <laughs> so confusing because there are some nights I never want to go back. I mean, how cool is it for me at, say, good, good example, 920 at night. We'll be back more and I'll tease. You got to tease now. Program right. directors. It's the only thing program directors do anymore. They don't do anything yeah, right, else. Right. I'll tell you to tease. So I say, when we come back, I'll tell you why I'm picking Illinois over Gonzaga. Ooh. When we return, Brick Hit Night on Mad Dog. And I'll take my headset off and my producer will say four minutes because for whatever reason, I work for a place that doesn't have eight minute breaks. It's four, <laughs> which is mine. And I'll, I'll walk out the door of my office here. And my dog's laying at the bottom of the right at the door. Waiting. Right. Because he hears talking in there. Yeah. My wife's in the kitchen FaceTiming with her mom. My son is doing something and I'm looking around and I grab the I open up the fridge or I refill my water or something. And I'm with my family. It's, it's so incredible. Yeah. It's, I'm, I'm, I used to take that for granted because I was gone all the time. And now I have my family. But I will come out still at 10 o'clock. My show ends at 9.59. I'll shut the machine down. My wife will go, how did it go? And I'm blessed to do this. In big picture, I always have to remind myself, it went great. Exactly. It was better than I thought. But it's hard. You're playing radio station in your office. Yeah, and I'm at home, and I don't have to get in a car and go around the light and do all this. And then I'm already home, but I miss the interaction of being in a building. Well, that was you. Well, I, I, the first time I met you, it was, it was Vargas Trinidad in Vegas. But the first time I met you as a colleague at Fox Sports Radio, I was doing weekends with Jim Moore, Craig Sheeman, and Tom Looney, and we were doing college football Saturday and NFL Sundays. And it was all, at first it was Jim Lampley. Anyway, it doesn't matter who it was. But you, you came in and visited the weekend people. And I never saw any Monday through Friday personality ever pop into a radio station on the weekend and meet the guys who were there on the weekend. And so that yeah, you've always enjoyed you. You've popped into the radio station on days where you're not working to meet the other people who work for the same company. That, that, that's your style. Well, usually so, I'm riding a bike. I'm into a bike, a mountain bike thing for a month. Right. Get my steps in and all that. <laughs> Don't give me too much credit. For well, that. that's a lot of people. I've never, I never saw anybody else do that popping on their day off to meet the other people who worked there. that that was i said well that's a guy who's into radio he's still popping into the radio station and it's probably we were in our 30s at the time in his 30s and i thought that was really cool hey um this should probably go at the beginning of the podcast i'll decide whether or not to move it but uh because we should be done by now but 
I just want to mention a couple of different documentaries I saw that I think you'll lo love, or maybe you already saw them and it'll fit perfect. Probably at the beginning of the show, we'll just decide. Uh, the, the, the documentaries were about Clive Davis. Saw it. And David Foster. Saw them both. Oh, what'd you think? Well, David Foster, just incredible the way he crafts music and puts yeah. music together and what he can do in the studio. I think his personal life is, is so bizarre I know. and out there that I wouldn't, he, he falls in that category of people that I would never want to be for a minute. <laughs> right. Now, other than the night of the red carpet on the Grammys, it'd be cool to be David Foster, but I would hate to have to look at all the photos of my life and not see more about my family and all about my divorces and all of my divorces and wonder how many times he didn't see his kids. Didn't see it. Well, yeah, you're still on your first wife. And by the time he yeah. was your age, he was on, you know, wife number four, five, four. What a, what a brilliant architect. Oh my God. Yeah. Arguably yeah. the best. And a great story, a great backstory that he had. They were, they both had really cool, humble origins and stories about how they slipped into the music business. I mean, David Foster was a musician, but Clive Davis wasn't. So it's uh, it was just fascinating. And it goes to show you sometimes, too, you were talking earlier about program directors. And I was thinking about coaches who did play the game, but never at the highest level. The ones who played at the highest level usually made too much money and weren't very good coaches. But the ones who made like Tony Dungy or John Gruden, people like that, who didn't, who made it to the highest level, but kind of watched from the bench are the ones who really took it to the next level with coaching. And it's a lot of other examples of that. That's just two. And, and Clive Davis and David, Fo and David Foster as a musician, couldn't take it to that next level as a musician, but, but could, could with but other musicians. Oh, in the studio, he was good. Oh was yeah. Studio musician. That's wow. true. Right. Clive Davis with Columbia and how he went from the business side and got into signing artists first with tony orlando oh but the deepness of santana janice joplin billy joel bruce springsteen aerosmith and the thing that got me and it always gets barry manilow forget barry manilow the soundtrack of my youth in my home oh yeah right the, de the death of whitney i mean you could just tell what it did to his life oh, you, you, was, can, you can see that the shining star yeah and uh yeah barry manilow was interesting because when we were younger it wasn't cool to like barry manilow but we weren't stupid he was terrific and he was a huge part of the soundtrack of so many people's lives and it's what but and you know a friend of mine since kindergarten and we're still good friends because that's how i am ended up playing in his band uh in the 90s and touring around the country, which is really cool. But I, I just thought both of those were incredible. Oh, and, you know, Clive Davis is the one that took Columbia, that had to talk Columbia Records into doing rock and roll records because they were doing, you know, 50s type of music and bing, bad stuff. You know, whoever was running Columbia at the time was saying rock and roll was a fad. Like they used to say when we were younger about rap. And they people who were out of it thinking you know, there's there's no there's no money to be made in rock and roll. And Clive Davis went to the Monterey Pop Festival and said, oh, my God, we can make millions off of Jimi Hendrix. 
and, and and these guys that are and Janis Joplin. Janis Joplin was, I thought, you said Tony Orlando. I thought it was Janis Joplin was his first big. It was Orlando. It was, yeah, it was. I thought it oh, was, it was a ton of people. It was a ton. And, and let, I'll leave you on this. Right. Go because you're into these rock docs, as I like to say, or music docs. Uh huh. I just watched Netflix new Biggie Smalls documentary. No I keep going by it. I keep going by it, and it looks great to me. The origin of Christopher Wallace, the story of that. Watch that. Watch that, and you okay. will be blown away. And Very I know. Very well done about the decisions he made, right and wrong, and his death and his mom, because your mom, Toots, means everything. To right, because I, I think he grew up in a house that just had a mom, right? This mom was incredible yeah she guided his life even when he was making mistakes and she always tried to kind of get him back on the right path that was a great documentary thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube